you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Good morning. Are you ready to stand up and fight? Yes. Have you got your armor on? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you to Lifeway Church. I want to welcome those that are watching online. And I want to welcome the visitors in the house this morning. We would love to connect with you. There's a connect card in the front of your chair if you would fill it out and just give it to somebody with a green lanyard on your way out today. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you have your catcher's mitt with you? God has something he's passing out today, and he wants you to catch it. Amen. So you've got to get your catcher's mitt. I don't play baseball or softball, but I do know that you, they give you this mitt to catch a ball with. So we've got to catch what God is passing out today. We've got to pick up what God is laying down because he's got some good stuff for us today. Do you believe it? Amen. Are you ready? Amen. Okay, here we go. Um, I want to pray first. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come and bring your word. Holy Spirit, speak the very things that need to be said today. Father, give me clarity and accuracy of speech. And may the hearts of the listeners be open to receive this word in season. And may their ears hear to take in your life-changing word. Father, I thank you for the anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage, and it sets people free. And Satan, I adjure you in the name of Jesus. You are evicted from this place in the name of Jesus and by his blood, and every tactic and strategy be unraveled and undone by the power of the Holy Ghost in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is week three in our series of stand up and fight. And that's what we got to do. We have to stand up. You can't sit down to fight. Amen. And we're going to be talking about the breastplate of righteousness. So if you will turn with me to Ephesians chapter six. I'm going to read through 18 and I'm going to read from the New International Version. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might or in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms therefore Put on the full armor of God so when the evil day comes, you may, able, you may be able to stand your ground. I'm going to stop right there and I want you to notice something. Twice already, Paul has said, put on the full armor of God. Yes. Twice already he's told us. Yes. He doesn't ask us if we want to. Right. He doesn't say, if it fits, put it on. on. He doesn't say, if you like it, if it's your color, put it on. He Come says, on. put on the put full on. armor yes. of God. And then he says, when the evil day comes. Uh He doesn't say, if the evil day comes. He says, when it comes. 
So the evil day is going to come. Or, let me put it this way, a day of challenge. It's going to come. It has come to all of us and it will continue to come as long as we're on this earth. But that's okay because God has given us every spiritual weapon that we need to combat the enemy and win. Hallelujah. Do you believe it? Okay. So, I'm going to finish reading. And after you have done everything to stand. What do you do? Yeah, keep on standing. So it may mean that we put on the armor and we stand. Yes. Come on. And then we have to keep standing. Come on. Yes, Lord. Right? Yes. But we can because we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. Amen. So after you have done everything to stand, you stand firm. You keep standing firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. What is, the, what is the belt of truth? It's the word. We talked about that last week, Pastor Bruce did. All the other weapons rest on the belt of truth. But this is truth. This is the only thing that is true and faithful and that you can rely on. You need to remember that. This is God speaking to you. Man tells you all kinds of things. He gives you all kinds of opinions. But I'm telling you what, you put that word up against this word, and this wins every time. Come on now. And with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, it doesn't say this, but I wrote this in. I got it from Rick Renner. He's my hero. And with the lance of prayer, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and petitions. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. So if you'll notice pictures of soldiers, especially the Roman army, the soldiers, they had a lance or they had a spear. And so Pastor Rick has done a lot of teaching and research and studying on the armor of God. And he calls that the lance of prayer. And I really like that. But I want you to notice something here. That passage begins with the word finally. And finally, it says, be strong. That word finally is very important. It's a Greek phrase that means in conclusion. The most important part saved for the last. So in other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is, I've saved the most important, important part of the letter until the end. If you remember nothing else of anything I've said, remember this part. I want it to stand out in your mind. That's what finally means in Greek, okay? So in other words, this part about the armor is the most important part of this whole uh, epistle or the letter to the Ephesians. And we know that that's kind of interesting because Ephesians has the most dynamic message to the New Testament church and us as believers. It is dynamic. It is marvelous. But he said, 
finally, listen to this part right here. So, why did he place such an importance on this part? So to understand that, we need to take a little bit of look at the history of the church at Ephesus. Okay? So, the church at Ephesus was mature in the realm of doctrine. And they had learned a great deal of spiritual knowledge. They probably could have answered any biblical question you asked. But their personal lives were falling apart. There was sin in the camp. They weren't really victorious. They weren't combating the devil in, in a victorious way. And even with the abundance of excellent ministry they had, they failed to develop in critical areas of their life. So, they were experiencing defeat. They had a lot of head knowledge, as we say, but it wasn't being put to practical use. They needed to grow in their understanding of the spiritual armor and how to deal with spiritual conflict victoriously. Because you know... Our battle isn't with flesh and blood, right? It's with an unseen enemy. So the believers in Ephesus lived in a world very similar to ours today. One full of governmental and social conflict. There was violence and crime. Pagan worship and idolatry was thriving. And there was a rampant, perverse sexual industry. And there was a great demand for it. And there was upheaval with other countries. And there were wars. So they had a lot going on. They were facing a lot. They were dealing with the persecution. So the fact that Paul reserved this subject on spiritual warfare at the very end is very significant. These early Christians needed to start acting on the knowledge they had learned so they could be victorious and overcome each challenge. Amen. Amen. They had to take the spiritual truths and use them as the sword of the Spirit. Amen. They had to take hold of faith and use it as a shield. Yes. They had to take the Word and use it as a protectant helmet of yes. salvation. Yes. And they had to use God's gift of grace as the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. Does that sound familiar today? We've got to do the same thing. It hasn't changed. Things have not changed. The world is coming against us. Situations and circumstances come against us. How do we deal with it? We put on the armor. God has given us everything we need to live in victory. We, the church, should not be living in defeat. I didn't say we shouldn't have challenges. I said we shouldn't be living in defeat. We should be able to overcome and go through victorious everything that comes against us. And if we're not, we need to take some inventory. Amen? So in order to understand fully why the Apostle Paul likened our God-given righteousness as a breastplate, we need to look at a Roman soldier's suit of armor. Now, we know that he was in prison when he wrote this and he was being guarded by a soldier. And so the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, gave him this uh, analogy here. So we've got some pictures up here. Can you guys see them okay? 
The breastplate was the shiniest and most attractive part of the soldier's weaponry. And usually it was the first thing that you noticed. It was also the heaviest piece of weaponry that they carried. It could weigh up to 40 pounds or more. It usually was not under 40 pounds. The breastplate began at the top of the neck and it went past the groin area. And it was made up of two pieces of metal, one for the front and one for the back. And it was attached here at the shoulders by two metal rings. Usually it was made out of brass, okay? But then the pieces of armor, they were hooked together and they would overlay, okay, and then, you know, come down to protect this area. But then there were other pieces of armor. See how they're, like, he, it's kind of like scales, if you will. See how they overlap each other? They overlap each other. If it's just one solid piece, then you can't move, okay? So these pieces, the way it was made with these layers over layer over layer, in, enabled the, the soldier to fight and to move and to be flexible and to bend so that he could be victorious over his enemy. When a legion, I thought this was interesting, when a legion, which is... There's a couple of different sources. It's about 5,000, but then it's 600 and, uh, 680, 6,280 or something like that. It's between five and 6,000, a legion is, okay? When that many soldiers would march together and their armor was shiny like this that you just saw, it could be so blinding with the reflection of the sun that it could blind their enemy. Marching, can you imagine? 6,000 soldiers marching in step together. And the sun blinds them because the reflection. Hmm. What about us? Come on, church. What if we're united? What if we're in unity? What if we're locked arm in arm with our armor on, shiny because we are righteous, shiny because we're holy? We blind the enemy. I'm ready for him to be blinded. Amen? I'm telling you what. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. The Lord is doing something. A mighty work. He is moving. He is doing something. And I'm going to be right in the middle of it. Righteousness is a weapon. It's our weapon. And it's part of our spiritual arsenal. When we have on the whole armor of God, we can stand victoriously against the strategies, against the tactics, and every onslaught of the, arm, of the enemy. When we stand in our righteousness, speaking the word of God, we can blind the enemy. And he will fall to his knees in surrender. James 4, 7 says, be subject or submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He'll flee. He has to flee. He can't stand in the presence of the word. He can't stand where the presence of God is. The enemy's plan is to assault and convince us that we're not good enough. 
that we don't have enough. That we're not going to receive what we're believing for. That you'll never see what you're praying for. That you're not going to make it. That you don't meet, meet the standard and on and on and on it goes. I'm not going to give it any more time. But he tells us, and those are called lies. They're lies of the enemy. It's time we stand up and we tell him no. You're never going to receive your healing. You're never going to get it. That's what the helmet of salvation is for. You put that on and it covers your ears. But you've got to do something. When you put it on, we speak the word. We've got to change these thoughts that are coming in our head and exchange them. The enemy strikes over and over again until he can penetrate the mind with such accusations and torment that you'll give in and you won't fight. If he can cause you to not fight, then he's won. He's got you where he wants you. He doesn't care if you're born again or not. If you're just not fighting him, then he's got the victory over you. If you don't stand up and fight, he's got the victory. In 2 Corinthians 2.16, it says, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You have the peace of Christ. Instead of going around saying, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I just, I'm not sure what to do. I just don't know. And you know, and we say that and we're, we don't even really have a negative heart about it. We just say, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm just at a loss. I just don't know what to do. But instead of saying that, let's exchange and say, it's being downloaded what to do. I'm receiving the knowledge on what to do. I'm receiving it. I'm receiving it. I'm getting it. I'm hearing it. I'm picking it up. I'm picking it up. I'm picking it up. I'm going to know what to do. Thank you, Lord. You speak and I hear. I'm going to walk in it. I'm receiving it. You may have to do that a gazillion times. But that's what the walk of faith is about. That's what doing this thing, and this is a faith life, guys. This is a faith life. The days that we're living in, the enemy is out to kill you. I've never seen an onslaught of believers like I have in the last three years. Just stuff coming out of nowhere. It's an attack of the enemy. I'm going to go off my notes just a little bit, guys, back in the back. Because I feel led to. I'm just going to go a fraction. Because it's really deep and I don't have time to go there. But on the Sea of Galilee, in Mark chapter 4, and it's also in Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus is asleep on the boat and there comes a storm. Okay, that storm <laughs> is supernatural. That's an attack of the enemy. Because I'm telling you something, the disciples were fishermen by trade. If they knew that there was a, they, they knew the weather on the Sea of Galilee. They would have never gone out if they knew the storm was coming. 
and they knew the weather patterns and they knew the, the, the way the lake was. If they knew that, they would have never gone out. They went out and it happened suddenly. And when you studied all that out in the Greek, it was an attack of the enemy. It was a demon spirit. It was an evil spirit. And it came and it pounded and it pounded and it pounded and it pounded. And they were scared and they were bailing water. Bailing water. Bailing water. Racking their brains. What are we going to do? Look at him. He's asleep. But that was an attack. And Jesus is waking up and he's like, peace be still. Peace be still. You have the same authority that Jesus does. You don't have to plead with the storm to stop. Come on now. We plead with the devil too much. We've, we've been given authority. We speak to it. Now let me tell you something. He doesn't give in easy. But you stand firm. Your righteousness is a position. Your righteousness is a position. I stand in the position of half of the pastorate of this church. It is a position. I didn't ask for it. God gave it. God gave you the position of authority over the enemy. Now, if I don't take my position, then I'm not going to walk in the calling that God gave me. If you and I don't walk in the position of authority that God gave us, then we will walk in defeat. So you have to take that position and you have to hold it. You got to take a stand. You take a stand. You got to be relentless. Relentless. I'm not moving. Because it's yours. It's yours. Tenacious. How many of you have a car? Now, whether or not you own your car, it's yours, okay? Let's just look at it like that. You're making payments on it. Some of you own it because it's paid for. Some of you are making payments, but your name is on the, the contract. You get the bill. You've got to make the payments, right? If someone knocked on your door, just some stranger, and wanted to say, I like your car. That's a nice car. I've always wanted a car like that. I'm going to take your car. What would you do? Would you give your car up? Would you go, okay, sure. No, you wouldn't. You'd say, I don't think so. Who do you think you are? I'm not talking about the Lord laying on your heart to give your car away here. I'm talking about somebody wanting to take something from you that doesn't belong to them. You wouldn't give it away then why do we give our place of authority away? Come on now. 
Don't give it away. It's yours. That position rightly belongs to you. Now I've got to find my place. So if the devil can terrorize you, he will paralyze you. If he can terrorize you, he will paralyze you. What do you do when you're paralyzed? You can't move. I have been paralyzed with fear. The devil paralyzed me with fear. A couple of different times in my life I was paralyzed with fear. One was years and years ago, Elizabeth was a tiny baby and it had to do with some junk in my past and I heard voices just screaming in my head, screaming in my head, screaming in my head. And I was laying on the bed and I couldn't get up. I, could, I couldn't move. I was crying. And I couldn't move. And I think Pastor Bruce came and prayed for me. And slowly I began to move and I got up. We weren't even at home. We were at my aunt and uncle's house. And just this attack came. But I had to do something. I couldn't just keep laying there. I had to push through get up off the bed and stand my ground. Yes, he prayed for me, but I had to get up. He didn't get me up and help me walk. I had to do something. I couldn't lay there in fear. If the enemy can get you so focused on your situation, on your circumstance, your symptoms, or whatever the problem is, then he's got you beat because you're so keyed into that problem. You're so focused in on that problem that you can't hear the voice of God. You can't read the voice of God because you can't focus on what you're reading because you're thinking about the problem. It is, that's what we say when we call it a fight. Renewing your mind with the word. That's when it comes down to when we say it's hard, this Christian walk, this Christian life, sometimes it's not so easy. That's what I'm talking about right here. That's when you say the voices are screaming, you can't focus because the situation is so big, it's so looming, it's so not good. So what do you do? You get in the Word and you see what the Word has to say. But you keep on. You keep on reading it. You keep on reading it. You keep on speaking it. You keep on walking and you pray in the Holy Ghost. You keep on speaking the Word over your body. You keep standing. You keep speaking. You don't ever stop. And then the light bulb comes on and it begins to drop. The weight begins to drop. You begin to feel lighter. You've got it. You see it. It's there. Okay. Hallelujah. I've got it. Lord, you, you are faithful. 
and then, 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 then what you're saying begins to change. And then you begin to say, Father, you are faithful. Look at what you've done. You've delivered me out of one thing after another. You're going to do it again. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're so faithful. You haven't brought me this far to let me go now. What you start, you always complete. Oh, you've begun a good work in me. You are going to carry it out. You're not going to let this church go down. It is going to be filled with 300 people. We are going to have more than one service. Hallelujah! Glory to God. I'm going to be who I'm going to be. why it's so important to wear your armor. Yes, amen. You got to stand in that position as a son or daughter in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Yes. He wants nothing more to do than back you in a corner so you, you will cower in such fear that you'll just sit down and throw in the towel. Yes, amen. Give up. He wants you to give up. Because if you give up, then you're not fulfilling the plan of God for your life. You're dangerous to the enemy. Did you know that? You're a threat. I'm making him sorry. He, he was even born. We need, you need to wake up every morning, and he needs to like, oh, God, she's up. Lord, help me. No, he will never say that, but you need to make him sorry that you ever woke up in the morning. But you've got to act like this. Some of you may think I'm crazy, but I don't care. This is what it's come to. I don't care. I've had to get to that place in my life because I cared too much. Okay? I don't mean, I'm not being disrespectful. Let me explain really quick. There was a time in my life where I really cared what everybody thought. And so I kept things hidden. You know, stuff that happened in my past. Some of the women in this room know what I'm talking about. I can't help telling what Jesus did for me. He set me free. I have nothing to hide. I'm so free. He's done so much. So I need to move out the way so he can finish this work. Amen. So if it requires me not to act so prim and proper and I got to get down and dirty with the devil, you better darn well know I'm going to because he's not taken from me. But you got to set your foot down. You gotta set your foot down. He's he needs to know that you mean business. We can't be speaking all these ways out of our mouth. Because if you don't take yourself seriously, he's not gonna take you seriously. That's why our words are so important. That's why we've got to get a grip on our lip. 
because he needs to know and you need to know that you're serious. Because what you say is life or death. And if you're speaking, eh, I'm not sure, then you're confusing your heart, you're confusing your spirit. You've got to speak the word of God it, and not be moved by what it looks like, not be moved by what it feels like. Amen? Amen. If you sit down, then you can't stand up and fight. If you're in fear, you can't stand up and fight. If you're laying down feeling sorry for yourself, you can't stand up and fight. If you're in a position of defeat, then you're not fighting. I'm going to go so far as to say this, guys. If the word of God is not coming out your mouth, then you're not standing up against the enemy properly. Okay? If the word of God is not coming out your mouth, then you're not fighting the enemy properly. Because it's the word of God out your mouth that's going to put him in his place. There's only so much I can do to pray for you. I can pray for you. Pastor Bruce can pray for you. We can agree with you. But there comes a time you got to stand your ground. You draw a line in the sand and you say, no more. No more. No more. You know why you can do that with authority? It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It's righteousness. You've got to see that. It's righteousness. It's not arrogance. It's your right standing with Jesus. When you got born again, you traded the death for eternal life. He gave, you had these old nasty grave clothes on. But then he gave you a beautiful robe of righteousness. And he gave you his armor. Yes. Yes. And that's how you can stand before God and you can say, because he gave you the authority to use Jesus' name. Yes. Yes. It's not something that you took. Right. He gave it to you. It's your gift. Yes. So if someone gives you something, yes. don't you want to use it? Don't you want to wear it? Don't you want to display it? Yes. Hallelujah. It's a gift. Your righteousness is a gift. But the only thing that's going to defeat the enemy is the word of God coming out our mouth. It's a two-edged sword. Right? In Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord says, I am alert and I'm active watching over my word to perform it. Wow. So that means when we speak the word, he's just waiting. That's right. They're speaking the word. And he makes it come to pass. He brings it to pass. He will make sure that, that it takes place. He's waiting for us to speak his word so he can bring it to pass. Glory to God. In Isaiah 55:11, it says, "My word shall not return to me void without producing the effect or be useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it." The breastplate of righteousness 
is a defensive weapon that we can defend ourselves with, and it's also an offensive weapon in that we use it against the enemy to disarm him. We defend ourselves with the authority given to us by Jesus through his blood and with his name. The enemy will prey on believers who don't know who they are in Christ. That's why it's so important to know your identity in Christ. You guys have a driver's license. That's your identity. It says, someone wants to know who you are, what do you do? You show them your driver's license. Right? Well, you're going to have to show the devil who you are. And your identity card is the name of Jesus. The authority that the Father's given you. And using his name. Amen? I want to read uh, Romans chapter 8. It says, Who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can and nobody can. But I want to read it in particular out of the message version. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he restored that broken relationship. (laughs) There's no more veil. Remember in the temple, the veil tore? Well, when you tear something, how do you tear it? Right? Well, in the temple, the veil was torn. Now, the veil was part of the Holy of Holies that separated the high priest, okay, from where the, the, the Spirit of God was. This was before Jesus died on the cross. Because Jesus, before then, he didn't live inside of us. The Holy Spirit didn't live inside of us. So there was this veil. And it was about, I think, 9 to 11 inches thick. It didn't tear from the top down. It tore from the bottom up. And it was thick. And if you understand what the fabric was, no man could have done that, is my point here. Only God. So when Jesus died on the cross, he took his last breath and he said, It is finished. The veil tore. And the earth shook. And it was over. It was over from the enemy. It was done. Immediately, restoration came for us and the Father. There was no more separation. I'm on this side and he's on this side. And the veil was separating us. No more. Now, we're face to face with him. And thus, you're made righteous. You stand in his presence as though you've never sinned. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, I was going to read in Romans chapter 8. It 
So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? <laughs> and who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying, no threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. And may I say, not a challenge that you're going through is going to separate you from God and His delivering power. Nothing that you're going through will separate you from the delivering power of God. Now you have to stand in your righteousness and hold your ground. That's what the devil wants to take. He wants to, he wants to throw doubt on the word. He wants to come and steal the word immediately. When you leave here today, he will try to take this word from you and somehow discourage you and say, yeah, well, you know, you're not good enough. Yeah, well, you know, you're going through this. Yeah, well, remember what you did? And it may not be a voice like that, but it'll be a thought that you have and you remember it. It's not his voice going, you, you, you. It may be just you remembering something on your own, but that's him. He brings that thought in imagination to you. And the word says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, 4 and 5, that we, when those imaginations, when those thoughts come to exalt themselves above what God says about you, you've got you've to bring them in, reel them in, and place them under the authority and subjection of the word of God. You've got to reel them in. But you've got to do it. You can't say, well, maybe it'll go better. You know, I know, but I'm doing better. You know, I'm really trying. And I'm going to do better because I'm just going to be disciplined. And, and, you know, you think all these good and positive thoughts. And, and that's not necessarily wrong. But the only thing that's more powerful than a thought from the enemy is the word of God. You can't battle a thought with a thought. You've got to battle what the enemy throws at you with the word of God. This is the only thing that will take him down. He's, if he says, you're not healed, you're not healed. You're never going to be healed. It's going to come back. You're such a loser. Look. Look at your past. You keep failing. You, keep, you just don't pass that test. You're just never going to get it. Those things, we have to bring them in and say no in the Jesus name. And you speak what the word says. It says, by his stripes I was healed. It was done when Jesus died on the cross. 
Amen? Isn't that good in the message version? Romans chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 21, it says this. This is the New Living Translation. Jesus Christ died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. That's a mouthful right there. We're not to live for ourselves. We're to live for him. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ Jesus. And God has given us this responsibility of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we speak. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned, to be our offering for sin so that we could be made right with God through the blood of Jesus. I love this. That's, that's such a mouthful right there. There's so many good things in there. You're an ambassador. You're not a ragamuffin. You're not a gutter snipe. You are an ambassador. Do you know what an ambassador is? It's an official. It's someone who is official that goes on behalf of the government of the United States to another country, and he speaks on behalf of whoever authority that he goes in. But you're an ambassador of Christ, of God the Father. We need to stop slouching and, and stop acting the way we do, and we need to act like the ambassadors that he's made us. Amen? Amen? Listen to this. This is Romans chapter 3. Turn in your Bibles with me if you've got your Bibles or on your electronics. Romans chapter 3, 21 and 22. This is the New Living Translation. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for anyone who believes, no matter who we are. Hallelujah. This verse is saying that God gave us righteousness, and everybody who is born again is righteous. Galatians 2.16 says, We know that a person is made right by God by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Hallelujah. This means that when believers grab hold of the truth that God has so graciously imparted to them, to us that we've been made righteous 
when we acknowledge that truth, when we walk in that truth, we're going to walk in victory. And it will change the view that we have of ourselves. You know, the armor of God wasn't made to sit on a shelf. God, God didn't give us this armor as a, to display. We're to put it on every single day. When you wake up in the morning, you've got to put your armor on, right? This is a real battle that you and I are living in. And Jesus has provided the protective gear for us to put on to fight and to win. So I want to ask you a question. Are you affected? Are you infected? Are you affected or are you infected? Is the word of God having an effect on you or are you being infected by the contamination of the world? Affect means to have to act upon a person's mind to bring about a response or change. Infect means having an infection, being contaminated with an infective agent such as bacteria or a virus. I want to be affected, don't you? Not infected. So I'm telling you what, when you become so affected by what the Word of God says about you, when you become so affected by what the Word of God says you can do and who you are, when you become so effective by what Jesus has already won for you, when you become affected by what Jesus has provided for you, when you become affected by what Jesus says you can do, ain't no demon in hell will beat you. There's, you, but you've got to be affected. You've got to let the, a word of God affect you. You've got to let it bring about a change in you so that you won't see yourself as little, small, unintelligent, unimportant, defeated, poor, sick, inadequate, stupid, not good enough, unworthy, and uneducated. When you let that word of God affect you, you won't see yourself like that anymore. And you'll walk around. Look what the Lord has done. Look what he's doing. Hallelujah. I'm victorious. I'm not defeated. Because you win. You win. You can win. When you allow the Word of God to dominate your mind and affect what you think about yourself, about your life, about your future, about your family, about your finances, about your spouse, then change will come. Confidence will come. Boldness will come. But we've got to begin to let the Word of God affect what we think and what we say. Amen? We've got to give God the permission to come in and do a renovation in our life, right? We can't afford to sit smug and silent in our seats and act like the enemy isn't bothering us. We can't afford to sit silently and let the enemy run all over us and those who we care about. We can't afford to just play games in the church and with our lives and act like all of this stuff going on around us isn't real. It's real. 
This is real. You have now entered the real life zone. But you know what? It's exciting. This should be a most exciting time to live. We win. We win. Yes, we win in eternity. Yes, Jesus won. But you can win right now. We don't have to live defeated. Stuff comes against us all the time. It's sometimes it's just one thing after another after another. But the way you handle that is you speak the word. Instead of being unraveled, you've got to sow the word when things aren't just palmating you. So when when the blow by blow by blow by blow comes, that you've got the word in you coming out when these things happen. Right? You've got to be speaking the word when things are calm, if you will. So that we're walking it out. But when things come, when those surprising storms come, and they do, they come to us all, they came to the disciples. We've got the word sown in our heart and we're not going to be shaken. We won't be destroyed. You won't be knocked down. You know, when the wind blows, the trees bend. Sometimes they break, but I'm talking about the ones that bend. God made them to have the give in them. Well, when the wind blows, we might sway, but we're not going to be blown down and broken and destroyed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You have to put on your armor. You've got to know who you are in Christ. You've got to know who you are in Christ. You are a child of the King. I don't know about you, but there's been some times in my life, and some recently, where I've had to just put him on the run. I've had to tell him he's messing with the wrong person. He picked on me the wrong day. He pushed my buttons too far this time. He gone, he done gone too far. Because I'm an armor wearing, word quoting, Bible toting, blood bought daughter of the Most High God. And so are you, men. You got to be a Bible quoting, word toting. However it is, I said it. You got to be full of the Word and full of the Spirit. It's got to be in our heart, coming out of our mouth. Amen? It's time to stop living in defeat. Wear your armor and wear it. Not proudly, but wear it boldly. Wear it confidently. Sometimes I think we think that 
being, just call it what we are, we're charismatic, we're bold and we're arrogant. It's not arrogance, it's confidence. It's holy confidence. It's holy confidence. It's not pride. Pride stinks. Pride can't stand in the presence of God. Pride was removed from heaven. But he does want us to be confident. He does want you to be secure. He does want you to be bold. So are you ready to be bold today? Are you ready to be confident and walk in who you are? Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.